Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. We are continuing our series of webinars because you, our audience, has asked for it. And so it's really great. I know I took a break, but we're back. We're going to have three this week. We have Mary, and then we have the woman from the right horse. And then I'll be talking about Safari on Friday with Caitlin McGarvey, who came with me on Safari. So I'm going to have tons of photographs of lion and cheetah and leopard. So if you miss it live, just be sure to watch it afterward. And that one, I do not recommend to do just audio. <laughs> um, speaking of audio, you can find all of the audio versions of these webinars on Wendy's Winnie's on iTunes. And I believe we are now on Amazon. And I think that includes Audible. So just look for Wendy's Winnie's in your podcast and you can listen to these webinars rather than trying to watch, you know, have the YouTube thing playing. It's much safer. Today, my guest is Mary, Mary, oh, Elena, sorry, (laughs) it was like, not Ellen, Mary Elena Moran, and she and I reconnected when we were at the Retired Racehorse Project in Lexington. Mary had done a Surefoot workshop with me, is it a year ago now? Yes. Yes. The first one out of the pandemic. Yes. And, um. And we reconnected and she was standing at my booth uh, describing Surefoot to somebody. I looked at her, I was like, why haven't you finished your case study so that you are officially a practitioner? And by the way, come on my webinars because she's working with Surefoot with um, rescue horses. And I just got so fascinated. I know I needed to do a webinar. So welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And I am just finishing up my, my last case study. So I should be all done by this week. Yes. Awesome. Um, so a little bit about me. My passion is uh, rescue transformations. Um, and so I'll just kind of give you a little bit of my background. I've been training horses for about 18 years. Um, several different disciplines from Western performance to hunter jumper, dressage, uh, side saddle. And, um, and so I have, you know, kind of a, a large lens to operate from in, in terms of, of, horses and what they've been through and what they might need and where they can go and maybe matching them with the right people um, and the right job for a great future for them and rescue after they've been rescued. So I really love natural horsemanship and liberty work. And then since 2013, I've been a mounted police officer and a mounted police instructor. Um, And that has really shaped a lot of my horsemanship path since then. And, um, Positive reinforcement is something that, you know, I, I use in my training. I'm excited about, I do clinics um, where I, I'll do clinics for confidence building and connection building and creating a police horse, police horse bravery um, with your performance horse. And uh, so I kind of try to sprinkle some of my experiences in the, in the police horse world into performance horses so I can give those tools to other people so they can have the most brave and confident jumper or dressage horse or Western horse, whatever they love to do. Um, I do evaluate. Are you currently a police officer? Yes. And, and can I ask where? In the state of New York. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a lot without of giving, without, <laughs> without giving too many details. How many mounted police officers there are in your unit? 18. Eight. So there's 18 and they're out on patrol. How much we do primarily community outreach, uh, community events, and 
we do uh, ceremonies. So we, we do not do enforcement. Um, we don't do crowd control. I mean, we, we do train as if we would, but we do not do that. We use our own horses. And so that's what's unique about um, my situation is I use my own horse in police work. So I have the ability to bring a horse in, give them the skill set, bring them through the school, and then be able to um, engage with the public uh, with my best horse friend and then be able to share a lot about the training and the horse's story and um that's quite unique isn't yeah. it yes very unique is there any other program like that there state? are there are uh, several in the country like that they you know um usually they're used in search and rescue those those types of situations it's something that i'm looking to grow into a full-time program but this is where we started and so that's where we're at right now but it's been really beautiful because all of my police horses are rescued so they've all been in the slaughter pipeline wow and so the story that i have about their transformation really is able to transcend to different audiences um this story of trust building which is the anti-bullying message right kindness and right. trust building um, That's giving me shivers. I just think I didn't know this part. I think this is so cool because, you know, personally, I feel that horses in community are so important. I mean, I can remember as a little kid, I couldn't, you know, like every horse I saw, I pointed at the horse. And if the horses aren't visible to people, they don't know about them. Yes. Right. And so having them in a position where it's a police officer, but there's a horse and there's a rescue story. I mean, there's so many pieces here that you could you need to write a book that you could interweave <laughs> into that because um, the whole idea of recovery, that you can do something else and yes. that connection and just yes. what a horse gives. I just think that's so fantastic. I, I just really think that's awesome. That is everything to me. Um, I, I got into this, this career because I love to serve. I was a firefighter before and I always just lived to help other people. And um, I, I love what I do. I love engaging with the public and I love connecting and kindness with them with a horse, which um, I think is the best community relations tool and the best way to connect and transcend different messages to children and adults where, you know, if I have this horse that I can show them photos, I can tell them the story. This horse was, was given up on, it was discounted physically and mentally. It was thrown away. It was someone else's trash or it was let down or it was, it was, it was hurt, you know, and I believed in it and I built up trust through kindness and through, um, uh, you know, doing different therapies and phys physical and mental uh, rehabilitation. And I built that trust with this animal. And now, and now you see it standing before you and it is, it's so proud. And, and I feel like the police horses are the superheroes oh, yeah. of the horse <laughs> world. And yeah, so, I mean, in terms of you know, I mean, there are incredible athletes in every realm of, of horses, but um, I think police horses are really special and, and the work that they can do in the community is really special. And I like to tell the story of really, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's, it doesn't determine what you can make of yourself, you know, and it's the size of the heart that really matters 
for them because I can show you the lumps and bumps and the traumas that they've had and they and the size of their heart transcends all of that past and you know so that's something that I love to share and um and I, I, I think, think that is so awesome and you know I like I said if I can remember like you know going to New York City and you see a police horse and you're like is it you know I mean it was just there's just something about it that that you cannot replace the horse in the in, in those kind of environments there you know a motorcycle doesn't do it a bicycle doesn't do it right yes but a horse a living breathing creature that you know is warm to touch and fuzzy it's true and it also humanizes the person yeah. who is on top of the horse because when i was driving a car on the highway nobody came to talk to me about my police car <laughs> right <laughs> Right. I mean, with the exception of like a seven-year-old boy who wanted to see the lights and sirens. But, um, you know, it, it really brings everyone to the horse. I mean, big, strong, tough guys who would have never wanted to talk to me before. And they're like, um, can I pet your horse? And I'm like, yes, please. And I show them where they can do that safely. And I explain how the horse sees and, and you know, and how um, there's a friendly place you know, to be around them and things like that. And then they want to know all the details of the horse. And then I tell the story and a lot of people don't know the plight of some of the rescue horses in this mm. country. They don't know anything about the sl slaughter industry or pipeline. They don't know that, um, you know, horses could end up in a bad way. And uh, so it's an opportunity for me to, to educate and on that platform as well. And then also I, one of my police horses is a retired racehorse. Oh, and awesome. I love to um, show him in his second career being, you know, excellent. Now, do you ever go to like schools and things and do talks yes. with you? Oh, awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I love to do leadership work that way. And then that, and then talking to kids about the anti-bullying message, which is really building, um, good relationships and connections and being kind and um, not discounting people by their physical and mental limitations because it's the size of the heart that matters. And so I have really had some wonderful times um, it, at schools and large community events sharing the uh, power of the horse. That is so awesome. I think I need to connect, connect you with Pippin at the Plaid Horse so she can do a story on you in her magazine. Oh, thank awesome. you. So I will, I would, I will uh, I'm just going to make a note to remind myself, okay? All right. I, I want to write um, some children's books called the Superhero Rescue Horse series. And each book is going to be based on a virtue and then also based on one horse's unique story and how they made their transformation and it rooted in that virtue of say trust building and kindness building and things like that. And then have um, the superhero be the star of the book and the, and the lesson of being the virtue. And so that's something in, in the future. Yeah, well, I'm gonna have Pippin on from, because she was across the, boot, the aisle from me and she's written these books for children about positive messaging. And, yes. and I was like, okay, we gotta connect you. But, we, but I go. Perfect. Yeah. I really All don't right. know. How, yeah, I need help, and I don't. Exactly. Really it's so. to get stuff published. It's believe me, I've done it. It's, it's not an easy <laughs> thing. It's kind of, you know, if you have some help, it really ma makes it easy. Okay. Definitely. So I know you have a PowerPoint. Shall we dive into that now? 
Yes, sounds great. Okay, and if anybody has any questions for Mary, just pop it in the chat of the Q&A, and then when I feel like it's a, a pause, I can introduce that question or if it seems appropriate to the conversation. Um, but I just think this is the coolest thing to be able to take rescue horses and turn them into superheroes. I think that's great. <laughs> so. Share, okay, and presentation. Oh, presentation. There we go. There we go. Awesome. Okay. Can you see it? Yep. Okay. Oh, how cute. I love the ears. <laughs> yes. My youngest Surefoot um, fan, Lady Justice. And she was actually born with um, neonatal isoterosis, which means that when she was born, her blood type was incompatible to her mother's oh. causing extreme anemia. She was allergic to the, the colostrum and she had a very rough few first days of life and um, was a little bit frail because of that. Um, and so she got started on her surefoot journey pretty soon and her mother as well, because she actually wasn't allowed to be turned out because she couldn't get her heart rate up and have to breathe harder. So she wouldn't have enough oxygen being anemic. So the mare, who is a wild Mustang, was stuck in the stall with this little girl for a couple of days, which was tough on her. So the pads definitely helped um, that process because she was it, it, something to engage with. And then also it, it was able to help her physically when she wasn't able to move around a lot. So, all right. Um, just a little bit about me. We just kind of touched on all this. I, I always knew... Um, you know, I think that everyone has a unique purpose, um, a passion and purpose in their life. And I know that the, the course that I have been on is something that has been sort of destined for me. And um, so I've always been really interested in police work um, and community outreach. And, you know, to me, it's like, you know, oh, oh I'm a woman with a hammer and every, I see every problem looking like a nail, right? And the horse is my hammer and I can solve so many problems with that, with, with, my, with my horse. Um, so community outreach in that regards and generating so many positive interactions with the community and then using the horse as a vehicle for, for um, really great life lessons for children and adults. So I've been, I've been very blessed. I've been able to combine my two passions together. And um, so... My why, and we talked a little bit. Can we about just this. go back to that for a second because yeah. I just spotted the last line that you've worked with the natural lifemanship. Yes, and that's. Um, I need to get them to come on and and talk because Callie King has done a lot with natural. They started doing yes. workshops at her barn, and then she started going to the other trainings. Can you just just touch on that briefly because I think that's a, a yes. A, okay. So natural lifemanship, um, Bettina. Schultz Job, she, I was thinking when I was driving to my farm today, I was like, wow, she would be an incredible person for you to interview. Um, she and her husband are natural licensed and they've created this. It, it is basically equine assisted psychotherapy with a trauma focus. So if you take the course, it gives you the entire background of what is trauma and what happens in the brain and what and where a person is in the brain when they are um, stressed or having a 
PTSD or or dysregulated, and then how you have to move up through um, from the brainstem to the neocortex to be able to actually be in the parasympathetic nervous system and be able to have uh, engage social engagement and learn and rest and play and. And so the, the, the science behind it, the neuroscience behind it, trauma and um, the sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, attachment and detachment issues. Um, it was a huge education for me to apply to my horsemanship and the way that I train horses and um, the way that I interact with people. And I also, because, you know, the, the primary hierarchy of need for everyone horses and people is rooted in safety and if you are always feeling unsafe that becomes the muscled up response within the brain and so you just go there and that's how you can get stuck there um and that's how horses can get stuck there and so um it's it was really tremendous and um you know kind of making requests for interaction with the horse and and having and different things about the communication with them that I took away from it was really helpful. Um, and the relationship being the vehicle for change really is is a, a big focus that you building connection versus control, because if you um, the, the connection, the side the, the control is the side effect of connection. We first have to build the connection. You cannot you cannot have control with a horse be the primary focus. So um, I think that it's so important. I uh, that statement right there, the connection versus control, and that you have yes. to have connection because yeah. because what we have seen in you know in old school is you have to control this horse. You have to do whatever, whether yes. that's you know very abusive, which most of the control techniques become because they have to escalate, escalate, as opposed right. to developing the connection where you don't need to have that type of uh, um, uh, manipulation, if you will, to yeah. find a, a sense of control, which really ultimately isn't. I think that's really cool. Important. Yes. And it explained a lot of things about why some things work with horses and, and I didn't know why, but the, the biggest way to regulate a nervous system is through um, routines, routines, sensory or rhythmic sensory input. So that's why rhythm, just using a rhythm with the aids, using a rhythm with like sending a horse out on a circle, using, you know, the tool, your groundwork tool, say you have a, a, you know, a stick or something using rhythm um, is so helpful for a horse. And then also it, you know, rhythm like if i bring a horse in the ring in the arena and they are not okay i will just walk in a rhythm matching steps for 15 minutes and then i'll see where i'm at and i'll start again you know and just just having that that rhythm is what regulates the nervous system and allows them to move from sympathetic nervous system to parasympathetic you know move up to the outer regions of the brain to be able to be socially engaged so that was really that was um, something that I always, I wanted to take their course because I would love to work with uh, victims of human trafficking at some point and children in foster care. And I want to be able to use the horses to help heal people. And so that was kind of my, my first step in that direction. So, yeah, I, I will reach out to them and see if I can get them to come on a webinar. Yay. Yeah. Okay. So 
kind of my why, I guess, you know, I, I really see the greatness and potential in, in all beings. Um, and I believe that the value of a life in the value of a life and that parallels how we should treat people. And um, everyone's looking for a cheerleader. So if we believe in people or we believe in that horse, they can then believe in themselves. And so, you know, back to trauma, it's we're, here we are like just the horse is a nervous system and we're a nervous system and everybody just wants to feel safe and, and, and okay and um, comforted. And, you know, so having that thought is um, a great, you know, a great way to then do everything else from. Um, I think that when you take a, a horse that's been thrown away and you transform, the act of the transformation is really love and action. And um, so I, you know, with the horses, um, I started in a different way than most people. And I think that's what's brought me, a lot of what's brought me here. I, I couldn't afford to, my parents couldn't afford lessons when I was a kid. And the only access that I had to horses was being a sidewalker um, for hippotherapy. And I, so I took the bus with, with um, kids from my school that were not able-bodied. Some were blind and some had some physical issues and some had mental um, challenges. And then I saw them do things with horses that I couldn't do and I saw the magic firsthand. And, and that's how I started with horses. And then I, I went on and became competitive and things like that, but the magic there never left. And um, so, you know, when I was, my mother, she's, she's passed now, but she was an artist and she would, she would challenge my siblings and I, she would give us a, a canvas or, you know, some, some paper. And she would say, now just like make a couple of marks on this paper. And, you know, so you'd make some splotches and kind of mess it up a little bit. And she, then she would say, okay, now make something beautiful out of this and actually make tie, tie what, something that kind of looks like a mistake into something beautiful and um and I always thought that those those exercises in creating come from that mess like kind of creating something beautiful from that mess was they always ended up being the, the most beautiful things that I could ever create and um I think rehabilitating horses is a lot like that you know um, you say like, I, I have this and there's some things here and I'm going to just make something beautiful out of this. And, um, you know, so my, the, I also was a cellist for many years and I, you know, I did a lot of community, um, orchestras and things. And I was in a pit band, which is the background music to plays. And there were no parts for the cello. And I had to just use my ear and, and make my own part for, for what we were doing. And I feel like that was a great, that was a great oh, experience. Very cool. Like you have to improv even when everybody else knows what they're doing. Exactly. I'm like, I have this cello and I'm just going to make my own part here. And I think that was, you know, great exercise for life. So um, my first start in horse training was uh, at an Arabian farm. I had worked at the farm. It was previously an eventing farm and it changed hands into an Arabian training facility. 
and I, they gave me a great opportunity to train and teach. And um, the thing with the Arabian horses is they really don't allow themselves to be bullied and they're very smart and they're very, they're very, um, you look at them and you know what's going on. They're so expressive. And so I think my experiences with them made me much more aware of horses' expressions, you know, because the expressions for them really mattered, you know, within the in-hand classes, you know, you wanted them to be expressive and connecting and um, interested and engaged. And, and I think, you know, that also helped shape kind of my awareness of the horse and their comfort or discomfort. And um, I always was interested in the problem horses because I, I felt like that was a puzzle, a puzzle that um, I just really wanted to solve for them. And I, I think that one of the greatest things about the Surefoot for me is the um, equine experiential education. That's another equine facilitated learning modality. And the, the premise is being open to outcome. And so you're exercising with the horse at liberty or you're facilitating this um, exercise for people with horses. And you kind of go through, well, what happened out there and why did that happen? And where else does that happen in life? And, and you know, you're not supposed to force anything. You're, you really want the participants to learn from themselves, which is the greatest way to learn. And I think that the, the same principle applies when you're working with Sherpa is to really be open to outcome. And it was funny when we were at Sue Smith's for the training, Becky Tenges was saying that, you know, a lot of times she puts like, this is the right pad for this foot. And I give it, you know, I put it down and I'm like, yes, this is going to be perfect. And then the horse kicks it and flips it upside down or sideways. And we're like, okay, well, that's what we wanted. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and then I always think everything means everything like everything that happens means something maybe we don't know what it means yet but it's information to just stick in your pocket and think about later when you're talking to the vet or your trainer or you learn more about a horse's story so that's why um some of the why surefoot really resonates me with me yeah as soon as I read that I was like oh yeah that's exactly it <laughs> yes exactly so um for me I think there's, a, there's just this huge gap in when I have a horse that's been rescued and then where I would like for them to be, there's this gap and that gap is everything. Um, it's huge. It's, it's not like I, I took the horse and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna just, you know, do what I can and get them kind of going along and, and see if they can be something or whatever. I have a specific goal on it. And, and sometimes they don't get there. I'm not saying that every single horse can be a police horse, but the, to have that goal for me is what pushes me to fill in all the holes and to, to grasp at every bit of education I can to fill that, that foundation. So I think the space between where you are now and, and where you want to go is that's where the magic happens um, because that divide creates the necessity to find the tools and education to truly heal the horse mentally and physically to have that solid foundation. And so that's where I have grown the most. And so this is the same horse, the horse down in the, how old is he there down in the, in the left-hand corner? I think she was about two. She and was a this, 
So, okay, go ahead. Yeah. She was a PMU rescue. Um, she was actually, she and all of um, a bunch of other young PMU babies were on a slaughter truck going, they were in Canada and they were going to a meatpacking plant and someone paid for the whole trailer of horses to turn around and go to a rescue. Wow. And so that's where she ended up. And then her, I, the original adopter, um, when she grew up, the original adopter, but she was a little too big for her. And, um, and so then she was available again. And um, she was just really just a little bit green, green boat broke. Um, and she had some, some issues, some a little quirks and things like that from some experiences from the past, I think. Um, and uh, she has obviously made a really amazing transformation um, she actually won the, the North American police equestrian championships, uh, expert equitation class, which is a dressage class for police horses. Wow. Yeah. So that was our shining moment. How old is she here in the, in the other picture? She's 11. Wow. But she's yep. so beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been able to go to the White House with her and to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. And she has been really an incredible ambassador for rescued horses and for um, police horses, really. I mean, and, and I'm, I tried, I'm not representing any agency or anything by, you know, right now I'm just speaking in general police horses. Like, but she's just been able to connect with so many people in kindness, uh, old folks homes during the pandemic. Um, we went because I felt awful that they were deprived of being able to see their loved ones. And, you know, so we looked through all their windows and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, the amount of children that have hugged her and kissed her and petted her and, you know, we do, um, that old town road, we'd like to dance to that old town road song. Sometimes when we go places, we just like to do our slides to the left and slides to the right and, you know, have some fun with people. And, and she's been incredible. So, but I have, um, I have a few like that. Wow. Yeah. So the one in the top left corner, that's Panda and she was in the kill pen and she is, uh, she's, she's the gray on the right. She's grayed out. And, um, I do yeah, just use your pointer. Cause your left and right is different than our left and right. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so she is this gray horse on Got the, it. on the opposite side here. And she's been able to do amazing, incredible things with me. I, this, uh, this one horse in the middle, the thoroughbred she had, made a, a very lovely transformation and she's actually what brought me to Surefoot. Um, I, I had, I had seen a video of her. She was in Louisiana in a kill pen and she looked really bad. And I, and I, my, I just said, I have to stop that. I have to, um, I have to write the wrongs for that horse. And, um, and I know you can't save all of them, but I said that horse obviously has gotten the short stick in life and I wanted to stop all of the bad things for her. And so I worked with Gerda's Equine Rescue in Vermont and she was able to go up there for her quarantine and she came down to me. And um, you can see in the photo above, she, she's 
she's in wonderful health now and she's adopted and has a loving mother and everything. But she was, she is what I, I she was a huge teacher for me. Um, I didn't have the tools to help her. I didn't know how to solve the problem of her being stuck in survival mode. And it didn't matter what I did and how connected I, I could, I, I could be connected and do Liberty and things like that. And it, she was not still not relaxed. And she was in, she, her knees would bounce and her, her, um, her veins would stick out. And she just always looked like she knew something bad was, you know, happening and she was existing in that, in that space. And it, um, I, that's what brought me to you, um, uh, for her physical rehabilitation. And that is what brought me to the natural licensemanship. And um, also something that I've learned a lot about that I utilize is uh, energy tapping, which is just building attunement and awareness through presenting your energy to the horse. And when they show a sign of relaxation, like blinking, licking, chewing, flicking an ear back, connecting to you, then I turn that energy off and I turn away. And and so a lot of times horses have not ever experienced that level of connection with a person or engagement. And um, when they know that you're present, they can relinquish their, the need to feel like for them to be on, on high alert, right? Because they don't need to be really in control of making sure that they're safe because you're present and aware. And so you're now a herd of two and and so that is an exercise that I do. Um, and I learned that to help her. And so she is what brought me to Surefoot. And um, the horse uh, that's the bay on the far side, he, that's Gunner. He's, he raced 105 times. He went to the Amish for eight years. Mm. And then he was in a bad place. Um, he actually was the only horse left in the pen due to a clerical error. He should have shipped out. And, uh, a, a wonderful woman sponsored his rescue and sent him to me. Um, a standard bred breeder who is really big into aftercare, Michelle Crawford. And she saved him for me and she sent him to me and said, you know, do your thing with him. And he's, uh, in the bottom corner with the soccer ball playing soccer with, uh, lots of kids. That's his signature, <laughs> his signature community outreach tool is playing soccer with children. Um, yeah. And so actually there's been a book written about him, um, by Victoria Howard and, uh, his transformation. And so, yeah, he's really special. And then there's that little Pinto guy that looks pretty pathetic in the trailer there. And then the photo of the arrow pointing to his transformation. And he was adopted by an incredible human being and he's living the good life now. So just, you know, proving the value of a life is really just what it's all about. And the other thing I think this shows also is the horse's ability to heal is so mm -hmm. amazing that yeah. you know, when we take the stresses off of them and provide them with the opportunity, they can heal. They are so flexible and yeah. they're so forgiving. And it's like, they've been waiting the whole time for us to just get it. Yeah. And I, it never ceases to amaze me. It's like, when we finally get it right, they're like, I've been waiting for you to figure that out. I'm right here. I got it. I feel that way with Surefoot all the time. It's like, finally, finally. <laughs> 
Yeah. They're an incredible example of flexibility and adversity. Yeah. Overcoming adversity. So um, in terms of rescues, I, and, and these, these really apply to every horse, not specifically just rescues, but it's just been some unique applications that I've used. You know, the horse's primary need is to feel safe. And so if you go to a horse show and this, your horse is, will not hand graze, they are not okay up there. They are not okay. Um, and so actually when I went, when I first arrived at the, the thoroughbred makeover, my thoroughbred would not graze. And so I told my girls, she's not okay. She's, she's being really stoic and, but she's not okay. And let's get the surefoot pads. Let's go out on the grass. And we did the surefoot pads until she put her head down off. The, she was on the pads. She put her head down and she ate, ate grass. And then I said, okay, well, she's good now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I will use them during uh, grooming um, or tacking up. Or if I'm doing another therapy like the Beamer, I will put them on the half physio pads generally um, are my kind of my, my uh, grooming stall staple. Um, during periods of stress, when a horse arrives at the rescue, or if they have they have a bonded they're a bonded pair and the the other pair leaves them, you know that those are times of real stress for a horse. And using surefoot during that time can definitely help them become more mentally present and relaxed. Um, I I had a, lo a lot of experience with my mare and pole with the pads, oh, cool. and yeah. And then um, horses who are restricted on restricted turnout or no turnout. Um, I think it's really, really important because so if they're on the pads and they can find a, a better posture, they can stimulate the vagus nerve and they can have more access to digestion and healing. And um, so, you know, of course I always say like, you know, use wisdom, call your veterinarian if something's not right. But if I have, I have one horse that I have, I've been working with the vet on and he will gas colic when the weather changes. And the first thing that I do is I put him on the pads and then, you know, and I give him some bandamine and, you know, and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so that's how I use that in when a horse is gas colicking. And I actually had uh, one of my students' horses, I went to teach a lesson to. And I showed up and they brought the horse in and the horse was gas colicking. And I said, let's, um, we're going to give him some Vandamine and we're going to get him on the pads. And that's what we did. And, um, 30 minutes later, the horse was fine. And, uh, so that was a really positive experience for me with that. Yeah. We've had a number of people now uh, report that they've used the pads with colic. And of course you always want to call your vet. But yes. while you're waiting, you know, it's, there's exactly. no foul. If they don't want it, they won't stand on it. But there's a, been a lot of instances. But please, if your vet shows up after a long night and they come on the farm call, please just don't say, oh, surefoot, take care of it because they're not no. going to be happy. You know, yeah, I, thank them I for simply, to... let them look at your horse and just, you know. <laughs> Dr. Heather O'Leary, right? Yeah. I, I listened to her podcast. She's She actually is... Um, in like the next town over from me. So oh, cool. she's worked on my horses. Great. Yeah. So yeah, picking up hooves, um, a lot of horses come into the rescue, donkeys, mules, minis, uh, you know, 
poor hoof condition or a lack of hoof uh, handling. And this can be a great way to create a positive experience with picking up a foot. Pick up a foot, throw it on, throw it on a pad. That's what I did. I, um, I, I, last November, I got a Mustang that was in the kill pen. She was unhandled. Um, she arrived in November, uh, four days in from gentling her, she was on a pad. Wow. So I used the pads to help her pick up her feet because when I, when I would pick up her foot, she would either fall down or she would fall forward and step away. She couldn't balance herself on the three legs. She, she just, she was in such a survival posture, but I'll actually, I'll show you um, her transformation later. She was so narrow um, in both the front and the back, and she was a little toothpick and whatnot, and she couldn't balance. And so I got her on a pad as soon as I could touch a leg. So that helped her. And she's actually the mare who had the foal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So helping, um, helping pick up feet for young foals and young horses. Um, my, my foal, I had a hard time picking up her left front. She was, she would drop, kind of drop her shoulder down and, and fall down. And so I would just pick it up, put it under, under a pad. And, um, she actually, I did it twice and then I never had to do it again for that purpose because she's about, she's able to pick them all up evenly. Now, um, metabolic types i have a couple like that that live in a sand pen because they can't have grass and they're able to make themselves comfortable when they have a, a tougher day and i love to bring the pads out there into the sand pen and say like have a because they they also receive less um engagement you know mm -hmm. i bring them in and i groom them and things like that but if they're not being ridden this is a really great way that they can still keep a healthier posture and engage with us so that would be the the horse in the top and the well it's it would probably be the top left for you the spotted draft he's mm -hmm. a quad founder and oh, he wow. has a severe heart arrhythmia so he is not allowed to be ridden he could drop of a heart attack it was incurable um his heart rhythm would not change from the medicine and everything and so he's just a he's just a great friend and he loves surefoot and actually purchased the um the two half physios for him for his to to be able to pick up one foot the other one would be on a pad and then also to help for the farrier because it was so uncomfortable for him to have his feet trimmed that the farrier would have to come and do it in two different days wow um which is not the case now so um when they when horses arrive at a rescue they generally start out in a really terrible posture, um, a survival posture and, you know, he, you know, head up and, um, a lot of under the neck tension and, um, or really, really narrow in the front and back. And, and I think the pads really help kind of unlock all of that and give them some more options to feel their body differently. And when I visit horse rescues, there are really wonderful volunteers that donate a lot of time to these horses. And I think for them to use the surefoot pads, it's a really great way for them to hone their observation skills and make observations, not just about horse um, body language, but in general, but that horse individually and, and what they're showing on the pads might mean something or might tell a little bit about their past. And then of course, gaining posture and strength 
Um, and then working with a veterinarian for prescribed usage. Um, and something really interesting, creating a positive association to the training environment. We don't think about that, but a lot of horses have a very negative association to the training environment if they have had some trauma in the past related to an arena. And so the when I my thoroughbred makeover horse was living in survival mode, and and I just took her into the arena every day, and I did her foot, and then brought her back. So she, you know, every day, just <laughs> let's just let's just come out here and do something really fun together, and then I'm gonna put you back you know, uh, back outside or whatever. And um, so you can really reshape the horse's response, nervous system response to a training area if something's negative has happened there before. It, it's one of my favorite things. It's so I don't talk a, that much about it, but it is one of the most fun things because you watch the horses come in and they're like, what are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> like their ears are up and they're like, oh, you got pads? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so true Um, oh my god I gotta go to there you know or even like putting tack on same thing it's really fun to watch that change yeah I agree um I will often just start with the pads and then I'll say all right you're a little freezy like Uh not sure why you're a little freezy Oh dear. Oh, I hope we didn't lose her. Uh, hang on. Let's see if we can. Uh, All right. Is anybody else? Oh, did I lose you? <laughs> yeah, I, it crashed, but I'm back. Okay. 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 So we were talking about, you know, using them in a training environment and then it crashed. But it worked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I will often just bring the horse out in the arena and do a pad session and then kind of evaluate from there what I have with this horse physically and mentally, where to go from there. And I say, okay, well, am I going to do some classical and handwork or some, some groundwork or obstacles or some uh, interactive lunging? Or am I going to ride this horse now? And uh, a lot of times I can kind of gauge where the horse is um, or bring them to obviously bring them to a better place to be able to build off of that experience. And so I've used the pads in just about everywhere. Um, Some horses like the baby, I will use them in the stall because I don't take her all the way up to the riding arena. Um, And, uh, you know, so I've used them in the medical paddock. I've used them out on the grass with a horse that's, you know, that's just where we are. And they're interested. I mean, they're interested in doing it and I can kind of work it in also to see, making sure that they're okay and that they want to, they want to graze. Um, and then the indoor and outdoor arena and round pen. So let's see. Um, we talked a little bit about this, but you know, the magic for me with using Surefoot for the rescues is uh, the physical rehabilitation through resetting their proprioception through engaging their stabilization system, right? And that's that's like all of your other experts know a lot more about that than I do. I just know that it happens and I don't know all of the muscle groups. I'm not a body worker, but I, 
you know, I know that it that it's creating positive change. And um, I learned a lot at, at the clinic at Sue's um, being surrounded by some incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Subject matter experts and being able to look through their lens a little bit while um, they made amazing observations about what was going on with the horse's body. And I've been able to take that experience um, from that and, and have a more educated lens when I'm observing a horse. Uh, so a lot of horses are really stuck in that survival posture and it will perpetuate the production of adrenaline. It will product, it will, it will continue them down that path of um, stress because when the body is stuck in this, in this posture of stress, it creates more stress. So being able to shed that is going to uh, facilitate the horse being able to enter the parasympathetic nervous system so they can rest, digest, play, learn, heal, and socially engage. Um, and that unlocking of the survival posture, you'll see the rotation of the pelvis, the lower the, their head, engage the abdominals, which will trigger um, the engagement, the, uh, it will trigger the uh, vagus nerve and then widening their stance and just the experience is relaxing. I think the biggest tool or the biggest um, magic is really just greeting the horse with the right intention. Um, you know, approaching them with the pads, like I'm here to help you and I, I see you, I see that you're uncomfortable. I see that you're struggling. Um, you have a voice, I wanna listen to it and keep talking, you know, start talking. Don't you think that's like, it's like horses that have never had a voice before, right? Right, and that's, it. it is so fascinating to me when you when you come up and you make it an offer and, and when they say no, you're like, okay, well, let me see if you like either a different foot or a different pad or, you know, give you a chance to think about that and, and watch how they, they're like, yeah, it, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And then, but, but you might like it. Oh, okay. You know, and so there's this whole sort of unspoken dialogue about, you know, this is like, this is like not anything else that you've experienced. We're not going to train you to do this. We're just going to, you know, see if you like it. And that attitude just makes it so much um, lighter and easier for them to go, well, okay, maybe I'll give it a try, you know? Yeah. And um, I agree. And it's, and it, you know, one of the things I find, so fascinating when I'm working with an owner is there we've been taught that the horse has to be good. Yeah. And, and so in an effort for the horse to be good, we're back to that control to try and, you know, stay, stay, sweetie, stay, you know, mm -hmm. um, but that if we can let go of that and that's not easy, people don't even know they're doing it. Mm -hmm. But when we can let go of that and say, you know, if he moves, he's lost balance. That's, that's what we're here to find out. Um, then they're like, oh, yeah. okay. So moving isn't a bad, no, moving's fine. You know, and that's what mm -hmm. I point out to people is that if the horse moved, he, he may have lost his balance and that's what we're trying to de determine. Um, and then they can kind of understand it from, oh, this is actually giving us some information. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And that. And you're not perpetuating that freeze, you know, that dorsal vagal break of, of just, uh, I don't care, you know, that you're uncomfortable to do this anyway. That's, right. that's happens enough in life. Oh yeah. For them, 
<laughs> so if you touch the pad and you want to move now, let's go for a walk and let's try it again. And yeah. you can do that. And I'm okay with that. We're going to, we're going to celebrate your freedom of choice. Yep. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah. So I think that having that intention, um, also the, when you're really observing you're mentally present, um, and it helps them become mentally present as well, which helps them facilitate relaxation. And they notice that you notice, they, they notice that you notice that they're uncomfortable. Um, they notice that you notice they're uncomfortable and that builds attunement. Um, I, I love that that attunement is also from natural licensure. And um, I think that's really important that the horse notices that you notice. And so, that is when super they observe. I mean, they observe everything. Yes. And so when we, they realize that we're observing something, they're like, oh, you, you're, you're here. <laughs> yeah. You're here. You're actually, here. you're not yeah. somewhere else thinking about all the other things you need to do later. And you're on the cell phone or you're looking at Facebook or unconscious, right? Because they're, they are congruent what they think yeah. what they feel in this moment. They show you, um, but people are not like that. And so we're physically here, but a lot of times we're not mentally here. And right. that is not going to promote um, the horse feeling safe because they, they know that if we are a herd of two walking around and you're not conscious, then I'm going to have to watch out for myself. You know, the horse, right? So the horse is going to feel that way. And, and so we can actually relinquish some of their responsibility uh, of having to make sure that they feel safe and are aware of everything that's going on around them just yep. by being present. So um, it, the pads really engage curiosity and curiosity. I find with the police work, um, the, I first want the horse to be really curious and then I want them to dominate the, uh, the obstacle by either tracking it or stepping on it, right. Or, or touching it. And that's how I build um, confidence. And so a horse being encouraged to be curious and to be interactive in their environment is going to bridge confidence. Um, and that's just from my experience with doing a lot of obstacle training and just understanding the changes within the horse's nervous system to bring them from being scared of a flag to carrying the flag at, you know, at a ceremony, like the, that, that gap there, um, the gap really, if you break it down, starts with encouraging the curiosity and the connection to that thing, and then um, becoming uh, confident through following it and track, you know, tracking it and stepping on it and things like that. Um, the observation for the uh, caretakers, like we said before, gaining the information through observation and building connection with the horse because the horse will want to be with you if you bring something to them of value that mm -hmm. makes them feel better about themselves. And you're not just, you know, I think about when I'm with a horse that we have a bank account and if I'm always making withdrawals, there's not going to be anything left to withdraw at a certain point. I have to add positive deposits to that relationship bank. And this is definitely a great way to do that. Um, and, uh, so this may be the first time that a horse has experienced this type of interaction with a human. And so a lot of times, you know, they, uh, 
it's it's really cool to see them have a choice have an, you know and come out of that shell that the, the one horse that i'll show you my case study um next she started out we called her sad eeyore you know nobody was home she was shut down she just sat in the back of the stall sad not expecting to engage with anyone. And then when you can take that and then see the, the changes and the opening of that, that's why I do this, you know, that's, it's the most beautiful experience um, to be able to facilitate that. So- And, I, and they don't always respond the first time. I'm sure you find with the yes. rest of the horses that they don't respond the first time or second or third, mm -hmm. like they, they have to have some repeated experience and then they suddenly go, what? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I just, just trust the process and, and the way that you teach it with the way that you teach the process with uh, mindfulness to safety and choice, and you just present it and then relinquish your attachment to outcome and then present it again the next day. And then just, and then the, and then all of a sudden day two or three uh, for a lot of these horses, they're like, wow, like there's, they're like, wow, I, well, maybe I want this pattern. They keep it around and you're like, yeah, that's so, that's so cool. Let's do that. Let's put that on that foot now. Yeah. So, um, do we have time to go over a case study? Oh, absolutely. This looks okay. really interesting. Cool. Um, so this is Liberty and Liberty raced, uh, she was a bleeder. Um, so her race owners and she was slow apparently. So her race owners, sold her and she ended up in the hands of a kill buyer um unintentionally um but uh she ended up in the in the pen and i saw her and i honestly was at a point this was this january of 2021 oh i i sorry the thing is wrong it was january 2021 my presentation says 2020 but yeah, so that was just uh, 11 months ago. She was in the pen at the end of January and I saw her photo and I said, that horse is going to go to the um, thoroughbred makeover with me. Mm. And I really couldn't afford it. And I didn't have a stall open. And I said, I just, I just, you know, relied on my um, wonderful, significant others, <laughs> big heart to, uh, believe in, believe in what I believe in. And I was like, listen, the universe is conspiring um, for us to achieve this. This is, you know, like from the alchemist, you know, I feel like the universe is going to conspire for me to be able to do this with this horse. I don't know. I have a feeling I just, and um, yeah, so I just have this feeling about her and uh, I, I'm going to need everybody to be supportive here. So <laughs> Yeah, so um, thankfully, uh, my amazing friend, Gerda Silver from Gerda's Equine Rescue, uh, did rescue her on my behalf and accepted her into her program. And so she went up there to quarantine. I was there on the, 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 the center photo where she has the auction sticker is the day she arrived um, at the rescue. And I went to visit her. And then about a month later, she came to me. Um, and the, the picture where she's has, you know, the short tail that was her tail was chewed off by starving horses in the pen. And that's why it's really short there. Um, so yeah. So Liberty, um, this was some of the, uh, the sessions that we had with the pad, the pads, um, the one that is I'm pointing at her shoulder is that was one of the first ones. And she obviously looked, uh, 
she looked pretty poor. Um, I'm gonna just go ahead and and turn on our the case study and yeah. just show the process of what I went through with her. If that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's, it's, sometimes videos don't play in real time. Um, let's just let it play a little bit and then start it again and maybe it'll catch up. Okay. Or maybe you can narrate it because it's a it's not so sometimes videos don't play in smoothly. It's a beautiful facility, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we can't hear what you're saying. Ah, uh, okay. So I'm just introducing her for my case study here. And uh, she's not been written. She had been with me for about two weeks, three weeks at that point. I, all I did was try to feed her up really well and get her hydrated. And uh, she was turned out with a herd of other mares. And, and, and that brings up a lot of these horses are dehydrated, aren't they? Yes. It's, um, severely dehydrated. I don't think they have access to water or where they feel safe to drink. Yeah. Um, so she already looks a bit better just after a couple weeks. Yeah. But she, so I, I'm going to first kind of show how she walks. She's a little stabby behind. Yep. Um, her, her hips and stifles and stuff seemed, you know, a little bit stiff and not necessarily lame, but a little bit bothered. Yep. So I just showed how she walks there. And then I present, this is the first time she's been presented the pads. And so she's obviously looking around. She's, you know, a little concerned for her safety in the environment. This was the second time she was ever in the arena. Um, and so I just try to engage her in, let's check this out. How do you, you know, what do you think here? And do you see anything, uh, it's like you're, you're shopping and you're like, you see anything interesting, you know? <laughs> I love Let's that. Shopping. Let's and I love the fact that in our cart. Yeah. She has, she has space to move away, but she also has, you know, like you've got the one eye toward the pad so she can see them, but she can also see that there's a way to move away and, and just shopping. I think that's great. Yeah. So we went shopping and, and, but she really didn't want to engage with the pads at all. And, um, at, at that point, but, that's okay. She, she is, she does now, um, a couple sessions later and she is all about her choice and all those things, but this is what you start out with. And she doesn't have very good balance. She's very weak. She was in this period of, of kind of detoxing from track drugs. She yeah. had been raced right before uh, her rescue. And, and, and so I think that's just, another thing people don't necessarily recognize is that a lot of these horses off the track take time to get rid of the drugs. Yeah. And she, since she was a bleeder, I'm sure she had had Lasix and things like that. And yep. so she had a, some malaise for a while. She was not her, she was not perky. She was just kind of sad and lethargic. And, and so I said to my assistant, you know, we're just going to present these pads to her every day, every time we have a session with her. And 
um, that is going to help her come to life. And so that's what we did. And so she put her, she didn't want to step on the pad and, but that was okay. And she, she smelled it. She engaged with it. She almost stepped on it there herself. Didn't she? She did. (laughs) But so then I said, okay, I love this because of her environment. Now I was going to say, you know, like she barely touched the pad and suddenly her neck is down and she's like, Oh, what's this environment? And you know, I, that is so hard to communicate to people how quickly that can happen. Right. You saw that with the thoroughbred at Sue's, how instantly she was like, Oh, let me check out the arena instead of let me leave the arena. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, looking to kind of release endorphins by rubbing the lip on the ground and stuff and, and being more aware of the environment. And so now that I come around and she stands on the pad for a brief period of time and she's like, Oh, and I think um, her breathing changed there where she kind of switched from um, the survival state to more uh, the parasympathetic state. And now she's starting to lower her posture a little bit, but she actually stayed there. So it's just like I present <laughs> it and relinquish attachment to outcome and then just try it again. Yeah. And I think- and- I mean, that's so cool. This is, this is a great piece of film um, because it can be just that quick that they go, oh, this is okay. And, yeah. and she's a very aware of her environment, but she's able to observe her environment. Yes, definitely. Um, and I, honestly, it was hard to walk her up to the arena. Wow, yeah. You know, she, she was a little bit explosive. Um, and that's what always happens when horses, and I, I always try to prepare people for this, but there's no straight line from shutdown to being relaxed and happy. There's nope. that ugly period of time where they wake up and they feel things and they, they don't understand the world around them and, and they need some real compassion and help through that time to see the other side of that. And um, so a lot of the horses that I wake up from this shutdown, they will be a little bit explosive or um yeah and it is it's a it's it's messy and it can be scary because suddenly this Mm -hmm. horse that was seemingly quiet is now reacting at everything and you know it it it, it's hard not to kind of get caught up in their anxiety at that moment it's really that you have to just go yeah this is just a phase this will pass don't give up i always say do not give up on them you know there there is another they're going to get over that hill. And then that other side of the the hill is just absolutely beautiful, but you just have to see them through it and be consistent and just try to um, build that connection and that relationship. And so that's, this is what this, the surefoot pads, you know, were really my primary method of waking this horse up from um, her shutdown and engaging her in curiosity and, um, yeah. And then you took her, you did take her to the retired racehorse project. Yeah, I did. Yeah. In what discipline? And, you know, we were, we were a little behind the ball because she had been rescued this year and I didn't ride her until June or July because I didn't feel like she was physically ready. And so we only went there with, I think three or four months of training. And the first month was tack walking and and then really like we, the training took off, but I, 
still wasn't with my job. I work um, 60 to 90 hours a week sometimes, and I could not go on enough field trips to really gain that off the property confidence that I think I should have. I needed a little bit more of that when I was there. The Rolex arena was really a big trigger for her. Yeah, that's a tough space for a lot of horses. But she did find um, inside and she was 10th in the freestyle. Oh, um, nice. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, it really wasn't, it wasn't about the destination. It was, you know, what she became in the process to get there. Absolutely. And this was one of the things about the this retired racehorse uh, event. They had the horses from 2020 and the horses from 2021. It was so interesting to see the difference in the development for the horses that had another year, just yes. physically, if not confidence and everything. And so, yeah, no, it, it's a it's a big challenge. Um, I know I have another client who she took her horse um, in dressage and was uh, in first or second place. And then they went in the Coliseum with the big jumbotron and the mayor, had, yes. but that mayor has gone on and she, she just got a 70% at, I think it was, I won. I mean, she's, oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. Amazing to see how, um, these thoroughbreds and some of them need a little more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they that's do. just the way life is, but I'm, I'm hoping they might consider having a, having a one where they, you know, continuing this idea of having the previous year come back because yeah. it was really fascinating to see how much more mature the horses were and settled and physically more into their sport. Yes. Um, but this is awesome because, you know, she just barely put her foot on that. Wouldn't really step down. And now she's like chilling. <laughs> yeah. And she's standing still, which was hard for her orig- initially. Um, sometimes yeah. these horses really don't feel safe even standing still. Well, and they're so, you know, the racehorses aren't supposed to stand still, if you will. You know, the whole idea is that they move. And so standing still for them is really hard. (laughs) It is. Yeah. And right here, she's, she's engaging. There's social engagement there. She's connecting to me. Um, I think I want to do. You ever wondered? Oh, shoot. Uh Uh-oh. Oh no. <laughs> it sounds like YouTube's oh, taking no. over. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> no, it's a diet thing. This, I, hold on. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I might just unshare for a second. Yeah. Uh, uh, How did that go? How did that go away? There we go. <laughs> on YouTube, you never know what's going to happen. Ads. Yeah. Uh. Has anybody got any questions for uh, Mary while she's sorting out her YouTube there? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I pressed the next button. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and it went to the, it went to an ad and left my my thing. So there was something that was really cool there, right here. Oh, Rishi's screen share because I ended the screen share, so we okay. look at the crates of eggs for hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So how do I? Um, your green button at the bottom. Share screen. Share screen.
Okay, can you see? Not, no. Not yet? Nope. Oh, there you okay. go. Yep, it's coming up. Okay. Sorry about that. Pressed the wrong button and it took us into a <laughs> dieting ad. We don't need that. Okay. So right here, she's really engaging with me. And I, and that was for the first time in this session that she noticed me really. Wow. So that's, you know, she's licking and chewing and she's like, Oh, hi, like you're here. Um, we'll go back there, you know, and, and so that's also one of the wonderful side effects of doing this. She's, she wants she, that, that lateral flexion there is really important. Um, and, uh, so yeah, she connected with me. And so I'm happy with this. She stood on this pad, this half physio pad for a little, a little bit here and seems to be enjoying it. Her posture has improved and now I'm going to safely kind of kick that away and then take her for a little walk. Great. Yeah. Because, and that's really nice that you show that because sometimes horses are a little stuck and they're not sure how to step off. So yeah. it's, it's just a better idea to take their foot off the pad and then they can figure it out from there. I don't want them to think that they're wrong. Yes, exactly. Or stuck. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, based on their unique past, maybe they would have been wrong for having gotten off of some obstacle or something in the past. Well, especially when you're dealing with driving horses, like Amish driving horses, they're not allowed to move unless they're yeah. asked to move. So that you have to really keep that into consideration. That's true. I really love these half physios. Um, that's yep. kind of my go-to <laughs> to start everything. Um, they're just so friendly. Yeah. Especially a horse for a horse that has a compromised balance and confidence. And then I, you know, she, she uses multiple pads now. And uh, the next thing I'm going to do is um, introduce her to the pads while riding. But it's but interesting it's, how narrow she was there that she, she wound up on one pad basically. Yeah, I know. So she ends up here. I end up um, to fast forward. I just, I, I kind of end the session with the two here and then she, she gave a good lateral flexion there. She ends up stepping off on her own, which is absolutely fine. Nice. And then we go for a walk. And, and then um, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Sharon Wilsey's horse speak? Yes. I love, I love watching Sharon Wilsey um, interviews with you. Yes. Because it looks like she's touching her girth button, which, um, now I'm blanking on what the girth button is, but where she reaches back and actually touch your girth button. Um, I just saw them this weekend at Equine Affair and they were talking about that and I've totally blanked what that one is, but I think that's significant. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. I see that a lot, a lot with the pads. Yeah. Um, so if anybody out there is, that's watching remembers what the girth button is, just pop it in the chat. Awesome. And then this is oh, just her reset. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a this reset. This is just her next, oh, it's a, a, a nervous system reset. Yeah. yeah. So this is just our next session and it's a little bit different lighting. So you can see um, the rippling. Um, you can see the rippling over the rib cage of the fascia. Oh, we're buffering for a second. Yep. Buffering. Okay. Oh yeah. So it's like little waves 
And then there's twitching. Um, there's firing right, uh, right here. Can you see that right here? There's some firing in here, twitching. So, I mean, um, I, I think, I, don't, I didn't know what it all meant, but you know, it was really interesting to see her change and do that she was, I think some horses are really expressive in their changes and she really was one of them. Yeah, and you know, the fascia is so fascinating because you'll see twitching and rip, oh yeah, there you could see the rippling. Um, and it's just fascinating actually. And she's and just she on the chose hard this. Yeah. She chose that pad combination. Uh, I didn't show that process because we would be here for a while, but yeah, she no, was okay. really narrow. And that's what she wanted. That right side was really hard for her. The right side, she did not have any confidence switching from um, left side to right side. Her right side was a huge challenge, which it is for a lot of racehorses, but she was particularly very vocal about her lack of confidence there and was ex explosive on the right side of her body. And so I also saw that the surefoot pads would help me kind of bridge both sides for her um, to get nice. them more even and gain confidence on that side. Super nice. So yeah, that's no, a really good point. This muscle here is really engaged. I, I, I don't, I'm not a body worker. I, I don't have the knowledge of what muscle that is, but it is, it's really engaged. Yeah, and it's it's not the same on the two sides at all, is it? No, no. And have you seen a change in that over all time? All my dogs, all of my dogs just thundered into the room. Yay! Um, that's your. Oh, hang on, hang on. I've got to get back to my. Um... Uh, <laughs> the significant other is luring the dogs back to where they belong now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, have you seen a change in her in her uh, um, hindquarters now of the muscling evened out? Yes. Yeah. Um, so much stronger and filled out and even. And, and those tight, um, that tight fat, you know, it's, I mean, you almost wonder if that isn't tight fascial lines, actually, the way it's so cut in there around, um, is it biceps femoris? I, my brain is a little sluggish today. <laughs> Yeah. So because uh, I, you know, I can notice where she has this, the, like the, the firing of the fascia to me is like pumping blood to this area that to, I think has been really stuck. And so I later then used um, just like a massage tool, like just like posture prep or the hands-on gloves or oh, something yeah. and really work yep. into that area because I, you know, you see that it's atrophied there. So, but she's, she's really comfortable and relaxed standing there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, uh, let's see. It's just firing up those muscles. You know, it builds up the intrinsic muscles that kind of. So I'm just watching some little spasms around here. And then her pec, her, her right pectoral was also spasming. You see that? Oh, right there, firing. Yeah. It's a little hard to see because the video is breaking up, but oh. but yeah, I know this is the one thing that's difficult with Zoom is having smooth running video. But yeah, we we've seen a lot of that in different videos that I've played, and it is so. I think that's one of the things that's so cool is that you you see all these 
really interesting changes in the musculature and in the fascia, um, in addition to all of the relaxation that we see. So um, if yep. someone, oh, cool, is this her? So that's her, yep, a couple, and it was only a couple months later, that was her. And so, yeah, she was able to make a full transformation. And like I said, the having the goal of going to the thoroughbred makeover, um, really kept us on track to fill that gap. Like we talked about, you know, of, of really filling in all the holes and creating, a creating a, a beautiful work of art out of that blank canvas. And so that's her now. And she's should be adopted in the next week or so. And oh, so wow. she, she's been really wonderful. Um, and then, so this horse here, if it, if, does anybody have any questions about Liberty? And then I'll move on to Freedom. Does not appear so. Okay. So Freedom was the, the Mustang that I rescued last November of 2020. And she is extremely front and hind narrow. I mean, her hind legs are almost touching each other. Yeah. Behind. That was the day that she arrived. Wow. Um, and then so. And was she pregnant at this point? Yep. Yeah, she was. Wow. Yeah. She, she had the baby about five months after I rescued her. So this is her three months later. And, um, I just did a lot of, uh, trick training and Liberty and everything with her. And then this was her five months later. And that, at that point she was about ready to give birth. She was ready to fall out this little nugget here <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah and so so this freedom is the mustang lady justice is the full the mule stang molly did, and did you she, know it was going to be a mule no that was a really super <laughs> bonus prize okay, it was like up, <laughs> it was like opening up a bunch of like a box of cracker jacks and you don't know what your your prize is gonna be <laughs> how cool so cute when um, she came out of the placenta and her ears stuck off of her head this far, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's a mule. <laughs> yeah, so she's been super fun and a learning experience. And um, like I said, she had that issue where she was really anemic at birth because the two species together, it's actually can be common, uh, the donkey and a horse, but together it's two species. And then, so you have a unique blood type and her blood type was incompatible to the mares. And so the mare in, in the one photo is yawning from having stepped off of the pad. And then the, and then the baby was like, oh, I want some of that um, endorphins. I want some of those endorphins. Let me see how I get those. And we started investigating. And so she stands on the pads and she had an, a hard time picking up her left front and she seemed to distribute most of her weight into that leg and it was hard for her to pick up. And so the pads helped us overcome that. And how old is she here? Um, she was three weeks there. Um, the, the one in the middle was a little bit older, probably three months there. And then this was, this was her about, I want to say, oh, two weeks old, two weeks old with the one picture where she just has her little foot on there. That yeah. has to be at least she's probably a week old in that one. And she just decided 
she smelled them and then and then walked past it and then rested her little foot there and stood there for a couple wow all by herself all by herself yeah yep that is so so that was pretty interesting um exploring the pads and then so now she's six and a half months old and she's a little bit bigger and sturdier and she still stands on the half physios often and then the mare, this is the mare now that was taken, that photo was taken yesterday. And she is using, now that she, she can be trained now that she's kind of gotten rid of her little, her little uh, addition, her sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's able to go out in the arena and do all the pads and things now. So yeah. It's a beautiful be, facility fun. you have too. Just really lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she had to be, she was taking this, um, this indoor arena is actually at my friend's place. She was taken, she was taken to my friends for a week to separate them during the weaning and then she'll come back. And, um, yeah, so, but the, uh, the round building before that's, that's my indoor round pen and, uh, this is my farm. So, so yeah, that's their story. My, this is the Clydesdale that you saw in the dressage arena as a police horse before and she loves the pads also and she was she was a pmu rescue and you know she in this in these photos she had big road studs on um we go on the road all the time and and uh, you know the the pads have been amazing um i was kind of concerned like i was gonna damage them and i've had no issues whatsoever they're really sturdy so she loves the pads um just like kind of to bring it all in full circle you know if you're thinking about how you can contribute to kind of the helping horses get surefoot Um, I love to use the philosophy of the time, talent, and treasure, you know, with most things. And so that principle really reigns true for a rescue. Um, It's a huge collaborative effort. Um, There's no person that can just rescue a horse and do everything without the help of anyone else, you know. You can't be an island in this game. Um, So I have... I have wonderful people that help me and have wonderful people that have helped me on my journey. And I try to help as much as I can other people. So in terms of how can you help with bringing surefoot pads to rescued horses, you know, it would be a great idea if it's, if you could do it, donate some surefoot pads to a local rescue or make a donation to the rescue so they can purchase some pads for a practitioner donating a session to a rescue horse in need and, and educate the organization about the physical and mental benefits of surefoot sessions. They may be able to fundraise for sessions for their resident horses. And, and if you're a practitioner and you have clients who purchase a, a package, um, then maybe one session, you can tell them one session is gonna go to a rescue horse in need and for them purchasing this package and everybody feels great about that. So, you know, just some different ways to support the whole thing. And I think they're a really incredible, invaluable tool for rescued horses. Yeah. And this is something, you know, uh, um, Becky Kells was with me at Equine Affair and we were talking about, you know, how can we get into more rescues and help more rescue horses and uh, more therapeutic riding? Because those horses work really hard too. And um, yes, so we, we are thinking about how I need a lot more practitioners. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's so true. Yeah. And so it goes, just go back to the intention, you know, how you make the horse feel about themselves in the process is just what, that's what really matters. Well, this has been awesome. And it's really fun because, you know, I, I um, hadn't really talked to you much since the workshop that you did, but when you came to our RP, I was like, wow, you're really using Surefoot. And so I, it is so much fun to see how you're using it and the way you're applying it and where you're bringing it. And um, it's just awesome. So I want to thank you so much for doing this presentation because this is great. And I just love, I love the mule. Sorry. The little baby <laughs> mule is so cute. <laughs> Everybody needs one, but yeah. only one. You can only handle one. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I think Patrick King is who introduced me originally to Surefoot. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I um I had learned about Surefoot and I was really trying to figure out which pads would be the best for for that one thoroughbred horse that was really beat up in the photo. And um, I was taking a clinic with him and it was a two day clinic and I was trailering in and out and I arrived and the surefoot, the whole, the, the whole kit and caboodle was <laughs> right there in the entrance to the barn. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, whose are these? And he's like, oh, those are mine, you know? And, and he, um, I, I was so excited, overly excited. I think he felt bad for me. <laughs> and he was like, you can, you're coming back tomorrow. So you have to first watch some of the training videos on YouTube. So you know what you're doing and then use them between now and tomorrow and then bring them back, you know, oh, for awesome. the next lesson. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And I used them that whole morning on every horse in the barn. <laughs> and then I brought them back to him. Um, and uh, then I, I realized that for the amount of horses that I have, I really just needed the whole set. And yeah. You have such a variety. So someone is asking if the mule will be up for adoption. Um, it depends who you're talking to. Me? No, my <laughs> boyfriend probably would jump at that opportunity. <laughs> so let me check she, back with you a little later and just see how things are going. Yeah. As of right now, she's a permanent resident. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. A nice little surprise. Well, thank you exactly. so much, Mary, for joining me and for doing this awesome presentation. It's great to see the work you're doing just on so many levels in so many different directions, but it's really, really fantastic. So thank just remember, you. everybody, you can find this in all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And on Thursday, we're going to be talking to um, the woman from the right horse, Christine. My brain is just, I'm shot from equine affair. I can't remember anything right now. Hang on. Um, but we're, we're going to be talking more about welfare for horses. And that's what my point is to, that this week is kind of like horse welfare. Um, it's, oh, Christy Schultz. And um, the whole, the right horse is now part of ASPCA. And they were telling me how in um, 2020, more horses had been like, it was up, adoptions were up like 25%. So a lot more horses are finding good homes which is really That's awesome. So I'm looking forward to talking to her. And again, Mary, just um, thank you so much. And this has been fantastic. So thank you. Have a Bye. Bye.